Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we now have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Amen. Well, as you probably know, it is baseball season. I loved playing baseball in high school and college. Uh, some of you here this morning love baseball more than me. Jeannie, as example, Exhibit A. But I, I loved baseball. Um, do, do you know what they do on what we did on game day? Uh, we took batting practice. Uh, the infielders took ground balls and practiced turning double plays. The outfielders would take fly balls uh, and practice throws the second and third into home plate. Um, we never started a game without doing these things first. Why was that? Well, after all, we, we, we practiced on days when we didn't have games, so why was it necessary to take batting practice before a game? Um, it's this. There are some foundational things that must be done well if we're going to be able to do or play the game well. And so we would rehearse the same thing again and again and again. Recently, I took Shelly's nephew to a Brewers game. We got there early. And guess what these professional players were doing before the game? Batting practice, fielding ground balls, catching fly balls in the outfield. Now, I, I say all of that this morning because for the Christian, there are some foundational truths that we must practice again and again. It's not enough to hear and believe a foundational truth when we first became a believer. There, there are foundational truths that we must rehearse 
and understand and apply to real life situations more and more. The quote-unquote game of life is infinitely more important than the game of baseball, and so we must practice, practice, practice. And one of those foundational truths that we must practice or rehearse is the doctrine of justification. The focus of today's sermon will be on how our lives are impacted and changed by being justified by faith. We're not justified by works, but by faith. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But first, to fully understand the significance of being justified by faith, we must first rehearse what it means to be justified. So the question, what is justification? Well, Wayne Grudem defines it this way. Justification is an instantaneous legal act of God in which he thinks of our sins as forgiven and Christ's righteousness as belonging to us and declares us to be righteous in his sight. In other words, God declares once and for all that our sins are forgiven, our past, present, and future sins. They're forgiven and that we are counted righteous. All of this is because of Jesus, who took our sin and gave us his righteousness. When we are justified, it's not that we no longer sin and that we are now innately righteous. Rather, when we are justified, God, from his heavenly courtroom as a just judge, declares that we are no longer liable for our sins and declares the righteousness of Jesus to be considered as our very own. Christ's righteousness has been imputed to us by faith or it's been credited to our account. When God sees us, he sees the righteousness of Jesus. Now, God has authority to justify, and it is his act or declaration. Just the justification is an act of God. It's a gracious act of God. It's an undeserved gift from God. But we receive it by faith. So what does it mean to be justified by faith? Romans 5.1 begins by saying, therefore, since we have been justified by faith. In chapters 3 and 4 of Romans, the Apostle Paul makes it very clear that no one will be justified by obeying the law, because no one other than Jesus Christ himself has ever obeyed the law perfectly. We all fall short. We all sin. That's why Romans 3.10 says there is no one righteous, not even one. And so Romans 3.20-26 through 26 then says this, For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. The law, in fact, exposes our sin before a holy God. Verse 21 goes on, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, 
although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. So, since we won't be declared righteous by keeping the law, um, news of God revealing his righteousness apart from the law is really good news, but what is it? Well, here it is, verse 22. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. We will never be declared righteous because we have kept the law perfectly. Never. We, we will be declared righteous by God's grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So what did Jesus, what Jesus did in his death for us satisfied the wrath of God that we deserve for our sin, and we receive that by faith, not works. When we are justified by faith, we're forgiven and declared righteous by trusting in the person and work of Jesus Christ alone. We are justified by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That is the exact opposite of being justified by keeping the keeping our keeping of the law or of our works. Chapter 4 establishes that even Abraham was justified by faith. Uh, Romans 4:3 says, "For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness." Now, before we talk about some of the blessings of being justified by faith, I want you to listen to an important word that Wayne Grudem says, and I quote, Scripture never says that we're justified because of the inherent goodness of our faith, as if our faith has merit before God. It never allows us to think that our faith in and of itself earns favor with God. Rather, Scripture says that we are justified by means of our faith, understanding faith to be the instrument through which justification is given to us, but not at all an activity that earns us merit or favor with God. Rather, we are justified solely because of the merits of Christ's work. So, we are justified by faith to the praise of God's glory. He gets all of the credit. We take none of the credit. Now, when we are justified by faith, we have received a rich gift from God, and within that gift, there are many other gifts. Not only are we declared forgiven, not only are we declared Righteous in God's sight, verses 1 through 5 of Romans 5 mention at least four other blessings that come from being justified by faith. And one is this, that we have peace with God. Uh, verse 1 again says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, 
we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The fact of the matter is this, sin separates us from God. We were alienated from God without hope, without life. Because of our sin, we stood condemned before God. We were enemies of God. We were hostile towards God. But Jesus Christ changed everything. Ephesians 2.14 says, Jesus is our peace. Jesus gave us peace with God. This peace is a state of reconciliation with God. Through Jesus, we are brought back to God. We have We are at peace with God. This is a real, objective peace. We have this because we're justified by faith. It's not a subjective feeling that comes and goes. This is an objective fact. We are no longer under the condemnation of God. Instead, we are restored to God and are at peace with Him. We have this peace with God, whether we feel it or not, because it is a result of being justified by faith. It's objective and never changing. Now, there is also a subjective peace of God that we can also experience, as Philippians 4 6 and 7 teaches us, and I quote, do not be anxious about anything. That's, in fact, some, sometimes what we feel or experience. Uh, verse 6 goes on, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So, This is a subjective peace that comforts us when we face troubles. Um, At times, we may feel more anxious, and other times we may feel or experience the peace of God that guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This sense of well-being and quiet is the peace of God. It's a subjective experience. Romans 5.1 is talking about peace with God. It's never changing. It's, it's an objective reality because we are justified by faith once and for all. But, but secondly, we now stand in God's favor. Verse 2 says, through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. So through Jesus, we have been given a way of approach to a holy God. We stand in His grace or favor. And and again, it is by faith in Jesus, not works. It's not by works. If it were by works, we would wonder if we were in God's good favor or not. If, If we were doing better for one moment, we may think we are in God's good favor and we can approach Him. But if we're not doing well, we would feel or think God's favor maybe has been withdrawn from us, and we have to do something to regain it. That, in fact, is what false religions face again and again. They are constantly 
trying to regain or maintain favor with God. But for the one justified by faith, not works, we stand always in God's good favor. Amazing. It, it is a great gift. Hebrews 10, 19-23 says it like this, and I quote, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our own hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. We, we have been given a way of approach before a holy God. We can enter into his presence with confidence. We, we don't have to wonder if we are in or out of his favor. Through, through Jesus, we stand always in God's good favor. We, we live every day with the amazing privilege to approach God by faith and expect to find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. Now, that's good, but it gets better. Um, verse, the latter half of verse 2 says, We also rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So we, we experience great joy because we are promised eternal life. We, we are promised an eternity, an eternity in the presence of God. We have that certain and sure hope because of Jesus. And it's this hope that pulls us through dark valleys. Because we're justified by faith, we are declared forgiven and righteous before God, but we, we still battle with sin. We still experience weakness and sickness and tears. We feel pain. We are hurt and persecuted. We suffer. But there is a day, there is a day coming when Jesus comes again that we will be removed from all sin. Sin will be removed from us. Our sinful flesh will be no more and we will feel no sorrow or sickness or pain or tears. We will be in God's presence in our glorified body Enjoying God fully forever. <laughs> 1 Peter 1, 3-9 says this. Listen as I read. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in, in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, 
you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your soul. The promise of glory is cause for great joy. But that's not all. The text says we also rejoice in our sufferings. Verse 3, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Now, we know that God, um, we know that glory will be great. Um, But because we're justified by faith, we don't have to wait till glory to begin to experience the goodness and love of God. We all experience suffering in various forms. Jesus promised, Jesus promised that all those who want to follow him will experience sufferings and persecutions like he did. Jesus was tired. Jesus was mistreated. Jesus was rejected. Jesus was falsely accused. Jesus was abused. Jesus was crucified like a common criminal. But because we are justified by faith, we have peace with God, we stand in His favor, we are not without hope, we can also rejoice in our sufferings. We can consider suffering a joy. Now that makes no human sense. (laughs) And that may not resonate well with you, but it's true. James 1-2 says it like this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of very various kinds. So why is that? Well, it's because, as this text tells us, suffering produces endurance. Verse 3 continues, says, Knowing that suffering produces endurance. And we're told in verse 4, endurance produces character. And character produces hope. Now look at verse 5. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We can rejoice in our sufferings because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So how, you might ask, do we know God's love has been poured into our hearts? Well, let me read again Romans 5, 6-11. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But... God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, 
Christ died for us. Since therefore we've been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by His life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So when we in fact rejoice in our sufferings, we do that because through Christ, God dwells with us by His Holy Spirit. We're not alone. We're not abandoned by God. And He is at work to use even sufferings to bring about good things like endurance, the ability to continue trusting Jesus against all odds. Even when it's hard to do. Even when it seems like the world is against us. The Holy Spirit is at work in our lives giving us the ability to continue trusting Him against all odds. And through that endurance gives us character. So the condition of our heart and life is refined and transformed by the Spirit as He molds the character of Christ into our lives. And through this character, we grow in hope. Where we have eyes that keep looking at Jesus and we have eyes that keep looking for Jesus, for Him to come again. So in light of all of these things, I want to talk and want to finish our time this morning by just mentioning a handful of things that um, help us to see how being justified by faith um, ought to impact how we live. What, what a rich blessing it is to be justified by faith, to have peace with God, um, to be able to stand in His favor, to know that because of what Christ has done, his, we stand in His favor. God is for us, not against us. To be able to rejoice in the hope of glory. We look forward to that day when we'll be in God's presence forever. But we can also rejoice in our sufferings because in our sufferings, God doesn't abandon us, but He's at work in us and through us. And so, for the believer, number one, life in a fallen world is not pointless. I mean, we, we need to rehearse the truths of the Gospel again and again and be reminded of the work that God is doing in Christ by His Spirit for our good and His glory when we watch the news and when we look at the, our own struggle with sin and we see the brokenness in the world, we, we can begin to think, and it's not easy to arrive at this point where life in this, in, in this world is pointless. It's hard. I see no purpose for it. But life in a fallen world is not pointless because God, number two, God is at work in our lives for our good. Do you, under, do you understand that? Do you, do you Think, rehearse a little bit of what we really deserve because of our sin. We deserve God's wrath. We deserve His judgment. But God instead has given us His grace, the forgiveness of sin. He's declared us to be righteous. We, we have peace with God. It's subjective. It never changes. 
And we can experience the peace of God because of His work in our life. That even in the midst of sufferings, and as many people as are here this morning, there are that many different kinds of experiences that all of us go through. But the one thing that is common is that we all face difficulties greater than ourselves. And it drives us to Jesus. And because Jesus came in the flesh and faced all of the same kinds of things that we face, we know that He understands and He cares and He is able to help. God is at work in our lives. He promises that when you walk through sufferings, it's not pointless, it's not hopeless. There's help and He's going to use even hard things to bring about good. And that good is a transformed life. What is for our good is a transformed life. So being justified by faith is a great thing. That's instantaneous. That's God declaring you are forgiven and you have the righteousness of Christ imputed to your account. That's once and for all a reality for the one who receives it by faith. Progressive sanctification, our sanctification is ongoing. It's moment by moment. It's day by day. Where the Spirit of God, if we have life in Jesus, the Spirit of God is using the Word of God through the relationships that we have within the church to help us to grow and change so that our lives don't remain what we have always been, that there's hope that we can begin to respond differently to, to, to trials, that we can begin to reflect the character of Christ when we are in a pressure cooker and when our life is squeezed, what will come out more and more for the one that's being transformed is the, a reflection of the very character of Christ. So God justifies us, but he also sanctifies us in a progressive way. Number four, if we think about these things, we have no good reason to have pity parties. To feel sorry for ourselves, to wallow in our sorrow. Um, I'm not trying to minimize the sorrow. I'm trying to put the emphasis on the fact that we have a great God who has justified us and is sanctifying us, who dwells with us. The Holy Spirit has been poured out into our lives. We experience the care and the love of God. And so when we face hard things, we don't have to feel sorry for ourselves. We, we can find hope because of His presence. We have, fifthly, no good reason to give up. I'm not saying we, don't, we aren't tempted at times to give up, but we have hope because of the presence and the work of God, and He's faithful even when we're not faithful. And then next, we have no good reason to be hopeless. Problems that we face at times are massive. They're huge. But because of the reality of being justified by faith and all of the blessings that come with it, there's, there's no good reason to be hopeless. There's great hope. 
We can rejoice in the hope of glory. We can rejoice even in our suffering. We have finally every good reason to be filled with hope and joy. It doesn't mean we always have this plastic smile on our face, but it does mean as we walk through dark valleys in life, we don't end up in despair. We don't end up in a place where we think life is pointless and there is no hope. Um, We have great hope because we're justified by faith. We have peace with God. We stand in His favor. We have the hope of glory. And we have the ability to even rejoice in sufferings. Let's pray together. Father, we marvel. We just marvel at the work that You have done. And we confess that it is far too easy. I confess it's far too easy for me to be overwhelmed by the struggle, be overwhelmed by the trial, to be overwhelmed by the suffering and lose sight of the grace that we stand in in Christ. Thank You for this text of Scripture. Thank You that You state so clearly that we are justified not by works, but by faith. That it's the work that Jesus did for us that gives us hope, that enables us to even have joy as we walk through dark valleys of life. And so, Father, I pray for each one that is here today, uh, young and old alike. I pray, Father, that each one here is in fact justified by faith where they have heard the good news of Jesus and they have responded by believing on the Gospel, by putting their faith in Jesus, trusting Him alone for the forgiveness of sin and for the righteousness of Jesus to be credited to their own account. I pray that's a reality for each one. And Father, I pray not just that, but as we grow in our understanding of all that You have given to us, I pray that our lives, our outlook in life, will begin to change more and more. That we'll be able to rejoice in the hope of glory, but also rejoice in our suffering because You are at work. You pour out Your love. You comfort us. You walk with us. You care for us. You transform us. You give us Your peace because we have peace with You through Jesus. And so, Father, thank You for this body of believers. Thank You for this time together. And we do look forward to the days ahead at the work that You will continue to do for our good and for Your glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to stand and let's sing one final song together.